Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. We're ready to go. Are you ready to go? Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products, Twitter feed at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Zach Stevens has been filling in all week so far for Bruce Hurdle. Bruce will be back on Friday. Sigma Chi sporting the letters today. I'm guessing you were part of that fraternity. I was, yes, at the University of Denver. And um, And when did you go to school? 2010 to 2014. Is it letter day and I wasn't aware of it? Uh, not that I know of. No, just repping it on the show with you. Because I, I would have worn my ZBT sweater mm. uh, had I known that uh, we were supposed to be, um, you know, boasting about our fraternity life here. You'll have to tomorrow. I don't have anything. Maybe <laughs> what I'll do. You. Maybe what I'll do is I'll, um, you know, I'll go over to Target, buy a white T-shirt and like get a blue crayon. And just put ZBT on my chest. See, my, if I did that, it would look like a kid did it because my handwriting's so bad. What was the worst hazing that happened? There? Oh, boy. I don't think we get into this on, on public airwaves, Eric. There is a <laughs> statute of limitations, uh, which is about five to potentially seven years in which you are allowed to talk about all the things you did to your pledges. Obviously, you don't say anything, you know, relating to like a billy goat and, um, you know. There, there, there a bunch were, of guys standing around naked in a circle. Yeah, I don't want to know that. There, there was none of that. There was there was some forest things, you know. Um, uh, like without, Blair Blair Witch Hunt. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> so there was a forest. Yeah. So you're you're past your limitation. Way past it. <laughs> Way past it. But I asked you the question. <laughs> you can ask me in the next in the next segment if you'd like. <laughs> so give me one thing that happened during Hell Week that you're like, eh, I really wish we didn't have to do that. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't give away the secrets, Eric. Was it was the hazing, for lack of a better phrase, pretty bad, or was it kind of tame? Uh, it, it, it sucked. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Did you ever think of quitting? Um, yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 Hell I, Week, it has, has the name for a reason. Yeah, I didn't because I'm very tough. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, Broncos, entire 53-man roster on the field yesterday. Practice squad, fully on the field yesterday. For Nathaniel Hackett, you can say mission accomplished when it comes to how he conducted training camp. He wanted everyone ready to go for the opener, and health-wise, they are. How they perform, we don't know. We don't even know what these guys look like as starters on the field. But as far as health goes, they are ready to go. Um, and also at practice yesterday, they were blasting in crowd noise, something I wish that John Fox would have done leading into the Broncos Super Bowl against Seattle. Eric, that was the first thing I thought of when I realized how much the Broncos were getting ready for this crowd noise was, damn, they didn't do this in 48. When did you start covering this team? Right after Super Bowl 50. Okay. My first day was Peyton Manning's retirement, so it's been all downhill since. So I covered Super Bowl 48, and I remember being in New York and walking down the streets, and for every one Broncos jersey I saw or hat 
or sweatshirt, I saw 10 Seahawks jerseys, sweatshirts, and I'm thinking, Broncos fans are going to be outnumbered in this one. And then sure enough, first snap, crowd noise, nobody could hear Omaha or whatever the hell he was yelling, and it was over before it even started. It was like a bowling ball falling off a table. Uh, With that, Broncos named their captains yesterday. Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, Brandon McManus. Obvious five guys. Yep, uh, the, the the obvious ones. Now, there's a couple of guys that you can go through and say maybe they should have been captains considered, but there's really two obvious ones that had to be captains, and that's Russell Wilson on yep. offense yep. and Justin Simmons on defense. Eric, they could have just kept it those two. If you want to throw McManus in to have a special teams guy, you could have. And then they just added one uh, on each side of the ball with Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton. But really, when you look at this team, the two leaders, Justin Simmons on defense, Russell Wilson on offense. Yeah, I mean, you go two offense, two defense, and one special teams. Five, five is usually the number, at least it has been historically around here. I can't think of any guys who you would move out to move somebody in. To me, these were absolutely the obvious five guys. You can make the case your top two offensive players are the captains. Yep. You can make that case. Yep. Um, we know the potential of Jerry Judy. We know the potential of Javante Williams. But let's be honest. Right now, it's Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton. Justin Simmons, no-brainer. Bradley Chubb, when right, you can make the case he would be the second or third best player because Pat Sertan would certainly be in that conversation. I found it interesting that um, when asked about, you know, who might be captains and who, who do you think could be captains, uh, was, it, was it Sutton or Chubb that brought up Sertan? Yep, it was Chubb. That's what I thought. But this is the one that really blew me away. Because this guy has been maligned, much maligned, by the media and by the fans. When he, when Chubb said Lloyd Cushenberry, yeah. to me that kind of came out of nowhere. Now, I know what he was like at LSU. I know at LSU he was considered a leader on that team. Mm-hmm. He was an excellent center on that team. But I think some even questioned is he going to even be the starting center this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Graham Glasgow was going to make a, very, a big push for that starting center job. But one of the things we've heard throughout this offseason and training camp is a lot of guys pointing to Lloyd Cushenberry on the defensive side of the ball, saying how much he's improved and how he's been the MVP of the offensive line. And then you see a lot of other guys on the offensive line point to him for his leadership. Right. And that tells you there's a bunch of intangibles that go along with this. And then look what Lloyd Cushenberry is doing. Every single thing that Russell Wilson is at semi regarding football, Lloyd Cushenberry is right there at the passing camps that Russell's had in San Diego. It's been a bunch of receivers. Garrett Bowles has been there a little bit and it's Lloyd Cushenberry. Lloyd Cushenberry is there every single time he does all of the little things, right? And your teammates notice that. So I'm not surprised that, and I wouldn't have been surprised if he was actually voted captain. Now, do you vote a guy that may not hold on to his job all season a captain? Uh, Probably not. And that's why it typically is the best players on your team or five of the seven best. Well, I mean, if everyone is raving about Lloyd Cushenberry, then there's no reason to believe he would be replaced, barring an injury. You can make the case that Dalton Reisner, Mm -hmm. Would have been a pretty good choice. Yep. But 
he hasn't been great, and that kind of leads me to this. Dalton Reiser has been good, very good at times, but he's also struggled at times. His consistency, I don't think, has been there, and everybody loves Dalton Reisner. Mm-hmm. Do your leaders really need to be your best players, though? They typically are. They, 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 they typically are, it, but it, do they need to be? It boils down to this as well, and, and, and this is another way of viewing it. Do your leaders have to be the quarterback? Does a quarterback have to be a leader of your team? Yes. Really should be. Absolutely. And, I mean, somebody asked that to Hackett yesterday, and the answer is yes. I mean, think about this for a second. Mitch Trubisky is brand new in Pittsburgh, and he was voted a captain. Was Trevor Simeon really a leader? Exactly. But I he, mean, honestly, he was a quarterback. Case Keenum. Joe, when these guys get here, yeah. they, be, they just instantly become captains, and it's kind of just you have to do that. And that's how it kind of is with the best players on your team. That You're not going to choose guys that are backups to be in this. So the way you choose your captains is you'll look at the best 10 players on your team, and then you pick kind of five of those guys that are the best leaders among those. So, so yes, they, they really are always your best players. When you look at the Super Bowl team of 2015 and the leaders on that team, mm-hmm. the two unquestioned leaders, whether slapped with the C or not, were Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware. Yep. They had a lot of things in common, talking about those two guys. One of them, as leaders, was both of them vocal, talked. Manning talked all the time. He was like chattering teeth in the dentist's office. Constant, right? Don't they tell you not to do that in the dentist's office? Shatter your teeth? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know something else about going to the dentist that's interesting? They tell you never to put a sharp metal object in your mouth. Mm, but when you sit in the true. chair, what do they do? First thing, they put a sharp metal object in your mouth. And then they scrape your teeth with it. Correct. <laughs> but they tell you not to do it, but it's okay for them to do it. <laughs> I don't. Un- At one time, I was, um, this was many, many years ago. Uh, I had a hygienist, and I was single at the time. She was very good looking. I'm thinking, how can I get to know this girl? How can I find a way to spend as much time with her as possible? So before I went in for my cleaning, I ate a box of Oreos. Oh, my gosh. All day job. Oh, my goodness. All day job. (laughs) That probably did not turn her on to you, though. I'm totally kidding. I didn't do that. But I I thought about doing it, but I, I didn't do it. So anyway, both those guys vocal. They had a lot of vocal guys specifically on defense. I remember the... 2005 championship team. Who was one of the leaders on the team? One of the captains in theory, Champ Bailey. Never said a word. Right. Real silent guy. And not a knock on him, but I would watch guys walk up to him all the time. Demarius Thomas, not a vocal guy, but I was told by multiple guys over the course of the years that he was the type of guy that when he talked, everybody shut up immediately. Emmanuel Sanders, not a leader on this team, for being completely honest, but chirp, 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 chirp. So with that, Chubb came out and said, I'm more of a lead-by-example guy, although I will talk. Sutton made it very clear he's a lead-by-example guy. So of the guys that they have as captains, who are the vocal guys? Because you do need a few. You have to have a few. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's Russell Wilson and Justin Simmons. And, and Eric, that's why I said if they were just to have two captains, 
they would be fine with just Russell Wilson and Justin Simmons because these are the true leaders of the team. Russell Wilson's a guy who's going to talk, not just when he needs to talk like Cortland Sutton and Bradley Chubb. He's going to talk all the time. Justin Simmons, he's found his voice yeah. in a way that, that we haven't seen on the field uh, really since he's been in this league. It, Kareem Jackson kind of brought that out of him these last few years. And I got to right. say, Kareem Jackson, he talks a lot on the field. Justin right. Simmons was talking just as much as him during training camp this year. And and I like to see that. And I think this defense needs that because this defense needs some dogs on the field. That's what they had in 2015 with that defense. You talk about the leaders. Talk about the attitude that that defense had. That's really been lacking. Kareem Jackson brings that, and that's bleeding over to Justin Simmons. I'll tell you who Justin Simmons reminds me of. And as you were talking, I'm thinking, hmm, a lot like this guy. Justin Simmons, when he first came into the league, not a quiet guy, but certainly not a loud guy, very yep. cerebral guy. Yep. He and Russell Wilson actually seem to have very similar personalities. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. Very similar. Um, cerebral, um, smart. Mm -hmm. With that, Justin Simmons reminds me a lot of John Lynch. Mm. And what do I mean by that? the nicest guys you will ever meet off the field. Yep. Now, Lynch would tear your head off on the field. That's really not Justin's style. However, dog's on the field. Oh, yeah. And now Justin has more dog in him. Make no mistake about it. And I think that's where the similarities are. Guys who don't have to talk a lot, but will talk when it is necessary and just the nicest, nicest guy. It's very true. And that safety position, I guess, breeds that type of player. And when you look at the rest of the defense, Justin needs to talk enough where that spreads over. I know Bradley Chubb can be like that, and he's like that on the field. He gets Garrett Bowles going in practice. Right. Uh, Randy Gregory, he can be like that. Who are the other guys? Draymond Jones. They're, the, the defensive line is trying to breed this dark mid, dark side the mentality. Dark side. Exactly. And to me, that says that that's the place they want to be. They want to get to that where they're all feared, not just for being great players, but for the attitude they bring. Are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, not really. Okay. I've seen them. Okay. You know the Emperor? Are you familiar with yep, the Emperor? Yep, yep. I'm just thinking, does Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, and Williams... Before the ball is snapped, they hear in their head, do it, do it, do it. Coming up after the break, we are going to be starting something this week called, and I'm making this up as I go, previewing the AFC West. Coming up next, Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. He does a lot of TV work and radio work in Kansas City. How good are the Chiefs going to be? How much are they going to miss Tyreek Hill? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, 
Go to rmfp.com. Zach from DNVR. You can catch his podcast. You can catch his writing on DNVR. He's filling in for Bruce uh, today and tomorrow. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. I love them. I've worked with them. They did a whole new HVAC system for me. Love that they showed up on time. Got a great price. Got the best product out there called Rudd. My wife, she worked with them. Same exact experience. Both of us gave them five-star Google reviews, as they should have gotten. But here's the thing. We're not the only ones. They have over 1,000 five-star Google reviews. You can't get two people in a room to agree on toppings on a pizza. More or less, getting people to agree that this place is absolutely the best when it comes to heating, cooling, and plumbing. Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Find them at MightyPH.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Today we are starting to preview the wild, wild AFC West, which is arguably the greatest division in NFL history since they went to eight divisions with that I want to go out to the hotline I want to bring in a longtime friend of mine pete sweeney editor-in-chief at arrowhead pride you can also catch him uh, on the nbc affiliate in kansas city he is the chief analyst for the chiefs does some radio work as well and every once in a while he humors me and comes on the show how are you pete pretty good getting ready for this first regular season game on thursday night and then kansas city plays on on sunday against the cardinals I know that the Chiefs are the champs of the AFC West, but there have been a lot of changes in the division. Do you still look at them as the team to beat? Well, I, I think until someone else is the division champ, uh, I think they have to be. But I, I think fans, even in Kansas City, realize that this version of the AFC West this year with the Chargers making a few key moves and Russ going to Denver and Devontae going to Las Vegas is just, it's going to be a different feel. Uh, and I, I think fans are understanding, like, you know, the chiefs have been dominant, but they've been dominant for a reason, you know, for a lot of years, it felt like a Patriots situation and certainly not that anymore. It's going to be highly competitive each and every game to me, even from a pure NFL fan standpoint is going to be must watch, must watch between uh, each of the two teams, uh, but I, yeah, you know, I think uh, until someone else wins, right, it, it has to be Kansas City because they've won so many years in a row. Okay, so they have won a lot of years in a row, and you do have Patrick Mahomes, and it looked like, and it still could be the case, it could still be an unbelievable run for the Chiefs because you have Patrick Mahomes. But when you look at the Patriots' dominance in the East, the other teams in the in the division never really made moves to truly challenge them. You look at the NFC North. Who has really made moves to challenge the Packers with Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? Are fans out there thinking, really? I thought this was supposed to be our time. And now the Broncos go get Russell Wilson, right? And, and, and Justin Herbert. Yeah, I know he was a nice nice pick out of Oregon, but this kid's really this good? And Devontae Adams and Khalil Mack, and they find a way to draft Joey Bosa? I mean, we should be going on our run now. I think it's a, a uh, an underrated part of that, that Patriots dynasty of just how easy it was to win a division and make the playoffs. I mean, if you can make the playoffs, 
almost every year. I mean, at some point you're going to break through. They obviously broke through a lot more than just once, but uh, I'm, I agree with you. Yeah, the the moves have been impressive, and you know, I think what ended up happening is the rest of the AFC West teams saw what Patrick Mahomes was capable of. Uh, the Chiefs changed re- regimes as far as personnel and were able to surround him with some talent and make shrewd moves. And I, I think the bigger thing even for this personnel staff in Kansas City is uh, they've been able to establish consistency. And so they, you look around the AFC West, and I'm sure these teams were looking at each other and saying, man, we got to get better on defense, and then we also need the firepower. We have to have, obviously, in Denver, a legitimate quarterback. And you know, if you don't have a legitimate quarterback in Vegas, let's go get him the top receiver in the league. And, you know, he happens to also be a college quarterback or a college teammate with Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams. And so uh, it's it's a scary, scary division. Uh, I've sit in Kansas City and, and – <laughs> You know, this is a Kansas City Denver conversation, so obviously there's some there's some heat there, but I think the entire division can agree like you look at Buffalo Bills Road, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals Road, it's not the same. And sometimes these bye weeks come down to a game or two. And I just think these teams are gonna be beating up on each other. Like I think any team would sign up for four and two when the Buffalo Bills should be thinking, We gotta go six and zero in this division. It's such an advantage when you compare it to some of those AFC West teams. Uh, and I, you know, it feels unfair, but hey, look, that's the NFL. Everybody knows the rules, and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. But I wonder how it does impact AFC conference seating when it's all said and done. Absolutely, and, and hey, hey, Pete, the the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers' biggest moves of the offseason were all additions. The Chiefs' biggest move was a subtraction by losing Tyreek Hill. Is it too easy just to point to that and say this offseason the Chiefs got worse? Uh, or, or do you think that they actually did get worse than they've been these past few years? Well, you know, when you're covering the team in the city, you're always trying to look at, at the bright side and the optimistic side. Uh, but, you know, I think it'd be hard for anyone, even the most diehard of Chiefs fans or analysts in Kansas City, to, to look at the offense and, and to think that it's going to be the quote-unquote legion of Zoom or as explosive as it was. It simply won't be. But I think there is, a legitimate and reasonable case to be made that it could be more efficient in just more methodical drives and more touchdowns and more points. It might take a little bit longer than it, it would be for like a Tyree kill 84 yard touchdown down the field. But a lot of the, what the, the chiefs had become, I mean, when, when you talk about those, those deep shots, and the threat of it, you had opposing defenses kind of adjusting for that playing back eight back, um, making sure that just the safeties weren't deep and, and cover two looks. And I don't know, I, I just tend to think, okay, so they realized, all right, at, at a certain point, uh, we were stalling even in this, what was an explosive offense, Tyree Kill, they wanted Tyree Kill back, but he wanted a certain amount of money that, that was going to impact the Chiefs in the future and moves that they were able to make other positions. So they went and, and traded him and got a lot of draft picks back, and they've been pretty good in recent years of, of hitting in the draft. Uh, and so, I don't know. I, I, you know, you still have Travis Kelsey. You bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. You bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We only had three series of Patrick Mahomes in the preseason, but he just looked a lot more comfortable in the fact that he didn't necessarily need to find anyone. Like Travis Kelsey is past that point in his career. I think he's okay. Uh, so, Mahomes has no pressure to really hit anybody, and I, I think it's allowing him to get to the second and third reads faster, and he looked a lot more comfortable. I mean, you can't do much better in the preseason. And granted, it is the preseason against the Bears and the Commanders, but you can't do better than, than three series and three touchdowns and six receivers, six different receivers, eight different receivers. So 
Uh, I'm interested in seeing what it looks like. Definitely less explosive, but I, I do wonder if there's an angle where it could be as efficient, if not more efficient. We are talking with Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief at Arrowhead Pride, also covers the Chiefs on television for the NBC affiliate and 610 AM in KC. Let's continue to talk about the additions that were made in the AFC West. Um, you have two dynamic pass rushers now for the Raiders. You have two dynamic pass rushers now with the addition of Mack for the Chargers, not to mention their entire defense has been completely beefed up. When you look at all the teams, you can say about the Broncos, and I'm not putting on a homer hat here, you can say the Broncos will be balanced offensively and defensively. You certainly can say that about the Chargers. Outsiders will look at the Chiefs and look at the losses on defense and say, we know how good Patrick Mahomes is. We know that they lost Hill, but, you know, Travis Kelsey is still coming back. You have already addressed that. You drafted Karlaftis as a pass rusher. Is this Chiefs defense being undervalued nationally, or should there be some concern? No, I do. I, 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 I think, you know, if you look at the pass rush specifically that you mentioned, uh, it's hard to look at the Chiefs' pass rush and not say that they're the worst pass rush in the league, uh, or I'm sorry, in the division by now, um, with everything that, that was made as far as changes go. But um, what I would tell you is that Frank Clark, who really, I think, fell off, he came into camp in just a lot better shape, which was a pleasant surprise. I don't think anyone was anticipating Frank Clark to be in as good a shape as, as he's been. And so there there is some hope that he could have this sort of resurgent year. You have a, an up-and-coming player named Mike Dana, who's, again, not as well-known, and I think the Chiefs are optimistic about him. Carlosas has really, really looked the part. I mean, I think there's a lot of times when you look at the draft class and you, know, you hear all these things about motor, and you're like, okay, let me eye roll here. It's a rookie pass rusher unless you're drafting like the top ten hard to expect production, but he had a really, really nice preseason where you got to see that maybe he could be a day one contributor there. And Carlos Dunlap is in that mix. And, you know, I think the chiefs are cautiously optimistic. I think what is under talked about, even in Kansas city is just the change of regime from Brendan Daly, the defensive line coach to former Jaguars defensive coordinator, Joe Cullen along the defensive line. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks up front. It's going to be a deep rotation of Steve Spagnuolo and, it's worked for them in the past, and look, the Chiefs got to the final four, and probably if it wasn't for that epic collapse, uh, I know you guys loved in Denver, should have went to the Super Bowl, and they were fourth worst in the league when it came to sacks. And so I, I think it actually will be better, because it really couldn't have gotten much worse <laughs> last year. Uh, and then you look at the second and third levels. The Chiefs are a little young in the back end, but they are led by Juan Thornhill, I, I think, is coming out for what would be a breakout year. He, he tore his ACL and the Super Bowl year before they went on that run and was never really the same, but he, he feels like he's in the best shape that he could be in and really feels like the knee is not a thing anymore. Justin Reed has been brought in to help lead some of these young guys. And I think, you know, you talk about that pass rush, and I, I'd agree with you. I think it's weak, but they have really good, good linebackers and young linebackers and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton led the, the team in tackles last year, and he was a rotational player. And so, uh, I think it's a lesser-known defense, and that may lead you to be like, well, they're going to get torched. But I think uh, the Chiefs are, are confident in a lot of these, these young players, um, and, and that's why they went up and got a guy like Trent McDuffie, and we'll see how he does. But I, I think they're cautiously optimistic, and the Chiefs live and die by their offense, right? I mean, we've seen years where 
the defense would give up 40 points and find a way to win 45-40. It will be harder against the AFC West this year just because I think every team is better on both sides. But um, that's kind of, I think, where they stand and and should be an interesting transition year. I I, I will tell you, I I think if there was ever a year when it really felt like the AFC West uh, was vulnerable, it certainly would be this one. Okay, we have about 15 seconds left. Who comes out of the AFC to represent the conference in the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know I have to pick the Chiefs. You know, no, actually, no, you don't because Come if you on. no, hold on, Pete, Pete. If you ask me, I wouldn't say the Broncos. Zach, would you say the Broncos? No. Okay, so you don't have to say it. We're not forcing you to say it. I mean, if you do say another team, we're going to blast this out on social media to kill your credibility. <laughs> but you know, do you do whatever the hell you want to? So, who do you think's coming uh, out of the AFC? I would say Kansas City. I, until I, I, I witnessed Patrick Mahomes uh, lose like he did two years in a row, I gotta gotta go with Mahomes. But, yeah, uh, I think I think it's wide open. Yeah, I, I do think more wide open than ever. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Until another team beats the Chiefs at home in the AFC Championship, like the Bengals, <laughs> I'm going with the Chiefs. Makes a lot of sense, Pete. Hey, listen, hey, listen. If you want to go with Cincinnati, that's your prerogative. Listen, we're on to Cincinnati. Have a good day, my friend. All right, guys. All right. Coming up after the break, how about those Rockies? Big win. But let's be real for a minute. That win last night, while impressive, while exciting, was like putting a Band-Aid on a broken artery. What is in store for the Rockies the rest of the way, and could they potentially challenge the most losses in franchise history? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Zach, filling in for Bruce, who's still on vacation, and he is the pride of Sigma Chi. <laughs> Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending, presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda, or find them at sthmazda.com. What I'm about to say isn't necessarily original, but I believe it is true anyway. Sometimes cliches are true. In every baseball season, you're going to win 60. You're going to lose 60. It's what you do in the other 42 that's going to pretty much sum up what you're going to do for the season. Last night, the Rockies easily had a loss in their column, and they did come back to win. It was thrilling, and they avoided their 80th loss of the season. They're now 58 and 79. Looking at how they have played overall this season, they have 25 games to play. When you look at their win percentage, they're going to win 10 of their final 25 games to finish with 94 losses. When you look at their schedule the rest of the way, 14 of their final 25 are on the road. They have the worst road record in baseball. 
The only team that they are playing that is comparable to them are the Cubs because the Cubs stink. Other than that, they have a bunch of 500 teams and teams like the White Sox and the Giants and even the Diamondbacks. Can't believe I'm saying that. Um, And then they have the Dodgers. By the way, to close the season, six games on the road. I don't know how that got scheduled. With that, most losses in team history, 98. Then 96. Twice they finished with 95 losses. And those 95 lost teams, their inaugural season, and Todd and the Toddlers in 2005, my first full season with the Rockies. How many games do you think they're going to lose? They're going to be close to 95, 96. They're really going to be pushing it, especially the way the season ends. Eric, it seems bad now. Just wait till they go on a 16-game stretch to end the season where they're going up all against all division uh, opponents who are all who have all taken care of them this year already. And how does a six-game road stand against one team end a season? How did the schedule makers make that happen? And then, by the way, just throw three games in the division before that also on the road, ending the season on a nine-game road stretch. That's what's going to make this. They're going to be they're going to be 95, 96 losses. I talked to a former Rockies player yesterday, and we were talking about those final six games against the Dodgers. And this guy really knows his stuff. And he said to me, we're right now in the September call-up mode. And towards the end of the season, last six games, the Dodgers are going to play a bunch of those guys. And he said to me, those guys, many of them are just as good, if not better, than the guys who truly get paid on this Rockies roster. Wow. That's how down he is on this, on this team. I also said to him, is there a party that kind of hopes the Rockies surpass 98 losses? Without mm-hmm. hesitation, he said, yep. I hope they lose more than 98 games. He said somehow this franchise needs a jolt of reality that they're just not good. They have to do something drastic. And when you look at their payroll for next year, um, and their pitching has been nothing short of dreadful, and that's insulting all pitching staffs that are dreadful. (laughs) Their top three guys are all under contract. I know one guy's a local guy. Everybody loves Kyle Freeland. He hasn't been very good this year. Um, then you look at Marquez and Senzatella. Those are their top three guys. They are all coming back. I don't know what there is to really look forward to for next season. Chris Bryant coming back? No. Is that it? That that would be it. And everyone has moved on from him about two weeks after him. he started with the Rockies. So right. there, there's not much to look forward to. And I wish I could agree with him that the, the Rockies having 98, 99, 100 losses this year would change something. And then I would agree with him. It's not going to change anything. They're going to have a, a, a couple of people that they end up firing. Bud Black's going to be gone after this year. And, and then what? It's just going to be the same old Rockies. So... That's just going to be humiliation for the players that are on this team that are trying. It's not actually going to change anything. So I hope they don't get there. But if if it were to mean real change was coming, then I yes, I would. But unfortunately, we've seen the Rockies year in and year out, decade and decade out. That's not going to change them. They're going to operate the exact same way they do, which is getting yes men, a general manager, and, and manager, and, and then nothing changes. Bud Black's not a yes man. Okay. Bill Schmidt is. You're right. Bill Schmidt is. Uh, Buddy Black is his own guy. And you can make the case he could be the fall guy, but he has a year left on his contract, and Dick Montfort doesn't want to fire anybody. He he really doesn't. 
But they're going to make that change, in my opinion, to say that we're doing something when in reality, they're not doing anything. I don't know the hell they're going to find. But I completely agree. It would be the wrong move because they're not going to get an upgrade there. But that's that. That's going to be what they do. Here. Uh, tell me what these teams have in common. And I'm going to say them in order. Dodgers, Cardinals, Yankees, Braves, Padres, Mets, and Houston. What do they have in common? They've got owners that want to win. Yep, true. That's all true. Let me give you a few more. One, all of them are either in first place or going to win or going to make the playoffs. Those are the top seven teams in attendance. Would you like to guess who's number eight? Colorado Rockies. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. And oh, by the way, behind them, the Cubs in Boston, who are terrible, but they have a very loyal fan base. I'm sorry, Rockies fans. The Rockies do not have a loyal fan base. They have a bunch of people who want to go sit outside at a nice ballpark in a nice night, go drink some beer and Lodo, and many times cheer on the other team. The Rockies, in terms of attendance, they're always there, but they're the anomaly. Either you have a team in top 10 that are, that's playing really well, or it's an incredibly loyal fan base. So why would Montfort make any moves? And by the way, I do not buy the narrative, never have that they don't spend. They did spend on Chris Bryant. I did not have a problem with the move. Listen, I'm planting my flag on this. I know I'm on my own island. At the end of the day, they wanted him. Uh, He was a guy I know that they targeted. Um, He hasn't been the same guy that he was in his opening five years. I certainly understand that. It's been a major disappointment. My only problem is they kind of bid against themselves because I don't know how many teams are really hot after Chris Bryant. But for the Rockies... And I, and I, and it's kind of like it's kind of like McDonald's, where if all you do is eat hamburgers at McDonald's, you think that's the best meat out there. I got news for you. There are other cuts of meat that are much better. But for the Rockies and Dick Monfort, hamburger meat is the best meat. And it's not. It is it is not. So what are you saying? Are you saying for Rockies fans to boycott to 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 prove something? No, I, I don't Listen, you, you, you speak with your wallet. You speak with your feet. But as long as people keep coming, what, what's, what's the reason to make a move? I mean, if, if you're, if you're 32, nearly 33,000 people a game, there's no reason to make a move. Here's the thing. The, the move should not be financial. They do spend. They just don't draft well. They don't necessarily develop well. And they can't get starting pitchers to come here. It's internal for the most part. Uh, obviously, outside the starting, it's pitchers. internal. Yep. It's. I mean, listen. Their farm system historically has not been very good, and who's been in charge of that farm system over the last twenty plus years? Bill Schmidt. And somebody suggested to me, well, you know, I, I don't think he's done a bad job. He has drafted, I think, six All Star players. Now think about that over the last twenty plus years. Right. right. Six All Star players: Arenado, Story. You know, they traded for Holiday. By the way, I'm including David Dahl in there, mm. who made the All-Star team once. That's pretty pathetic. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? 
We'll discuss what NHL reporter Elliot Friedman suggested about a Nathan McKinnon contract. Plus, what did Colin Cowherd have to say about Russell Wilson? We'll tell you next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Stevens on My High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. You can watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at... Zach Stevens at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber, the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. All right, just in case you missed it, Elliot Friedman on his 32 Thoughts podcast suggested Nathan McKinnon may become the highest paid player in the NHL, surpassing the current $12.5 million deal Connor McDavid currently has. Uh, with the cap looking to rise in the future, do you think there is a real possibility McKinnon becomes the highest paid player in the NHL? Absolutely. Abs- and I'll tell you why. Because Joe Sackick knows he needs to do that. McKinnon has given the Avs a hometown discount for years. Is he the best player on the Avs? You can make the case it's Kale McCarr. If I had to start a team tomorrow, who would I rather have? McCarr or McKinnon? I'll take the generational defenseman. But you got to love Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon, if he wants to be the highest paid player, he has earned the right to be the highest paid player. And it wouldn't surprise me if his contract is closer to 14 than it is 12.5. Yeah, not only absolutely should he, but he will be. He'll get this. Just like you said, Joe Sackick's going to do this right. And the Avs had to make a few moves this offseason in order to allow this to happen, and it's going to happen as it should. They know this contract is coming up. That's one reason why they didn't offer a ton of money to Nazem Kadri. Just in case you missed it, on Colin Coward's show, The Herd, he said, we can argue who the best player in the league is, but the most disrespected is Russell Wilson. Are you in agreement with Coward that Wilson is seen as disrespected? Absolutely. Uh, Again, and absolutely, because this is a guy that has carried a team to the playoffs eight of his first 10 years. Guy who's never received an MVP vote. How does that happen with a guy what like Russell Wilson's had? And we know he was disrespected coming into the league. What happened to him in college, being booted, having to go to Wisconsin, and then falling, uh, not to the round, not to the first round, not to the second round, but falling into the draft because he was short. He's a guy that has always been disrespected, and I even think he's being disrespected now. People come and say, uh, look, Russell Wilson, he had a bad year last year. He finished with 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. He got hurt. 
He was on a bad team, and I think people are still overlooking him. I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian on this because Russell Wilson's career started pretty much the exact same way as Tom Brady's. Let's make a comparison. Okay. If we want to go Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback, because that's the caliber we're talking about, let's be real. Tom Brady won his first two Super Bowls mainly because of his defense. Fair to say? Sure. Russell Wilson went to his first two Super Bowls mainly because of his defense. Is that fair to say? Sure. Okay. So, when the defense wasn't as good for the Patriots, what did Tom Brady do? Won Super Bowls. What has Tom, what has Russell Wilson done since his defense has slid down a little bit? They haven't been to a Super Bowl. They've made the playoffs, but here's the difference. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's in the same category as Tom Brady. Tom Brady is literally the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. So comparing those two, yeah. I don't think is fair. What I think is fair is comparing him to other Hall of Fame quarterbacks like yeah. we're talking about. Yep. And those guys get MVP votes. Those guys are recognized at 33 years old as still having game left. I don't think Russell's being viewed that way. When we go into this season, starting on Monday, two things are going to be happening here. Probably p- both positives. One, no longer will, and don't take this literally, please, Russell Wilson will be unchained from Pete Carroll's offense. Kind of like John Elway was unchained from Dan Reeves's offense. That domino effect will help the wide receivers for the Broncos. So it'll be a chain effect. It'll be a domino effect where everybody benefits. Russell Wilson's great. Not a great system for him, but there, there's one thing that was said yesterday at the press conference that concerned me just a little bit. And it came from Cortland Sutton. And he said, Russell's always looking for the deep ball. That's not necessarily a good thing. Is it? You have to know when to not look for it, certainly. That's my point. Always, I'm, I'm only using words. Oh, If you're always looking 35 yards downfield, you're going to miss the seven-yard pass that's going to get you the first down. He needs to get out of that mindset. And I think that he will. Nathaniel Hackett has talked about that. Doesn't want him to take too many hits. If Russell Wilson is willing to be coached, and I think he is, to always accept a profit, like Aaron Rodgers learned, even though the Packers did not go to Super Bowls, but Aaron Rodgers became a better quarterback. If he can follow in that line with the Broncos defense, I think they have a chance to be pretty good, and Russell Wilson will not be disrespected. All right, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. Their clearance center, they just bought new space in their current space, and it is enormous. Great deals going on right now. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, the Broncos, I I don't have stats on this, Zach, but yesterday was a monumental moment, something that I think has happened for the first time in the history of the franchise, and we saw it on the field yesterday. What is it? That's next. 